0: Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the chance to get together, Lord, with these saints and worship you. Um, Lord, your word says that they are saints, and we are saints. And God, sometimes the static and the noise and the lies in our head can get really, really loud. So I just pray you would quiet those and replace them with just that peace. Um, man, just all of the, the insecurities and the doubts and the frustrations that come out of insecurities and doubts would just be melted away in your presence. And Lord, that... Um, man, that you would be magnified as we uh, just love each other, live life out together, worship you, Father, and um, try to understand your word. Lord, help us to understand it and know how to apply it to our lives, and Father, help me. Well, I pray for those in the room, Lord, um, who have clogged ears, for lack of a better word, Lord, who who are having a tough time seeing truth right now or have maybe hard hearts from hurt and bitterness. I pray that would be melted away, and I pray you'd help me to preach your word and only your word. I wouldn't get in the way, and I'll give you all the glory, Father. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> it's the best one ever. Uh, well, welcome to the remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here, one of them. And um, we're in the middle. Well, this is the second week, so I don't know if that counts to the middle, unless there's only three. Uh, hmm. So we're in a series right now called Courage, Dear Heart. That's a phrase from C.S. Lewis' <clears throat> book in the Chronicles of Narnia voyage of the dawn treader So last week we talked about how you know if we know how much God loves us, right? I'm going to mess with you Craig. Well, we're talking about love all the time. Give me something deep. <laughs> right? Well, that's the problem. We struggle to believe that stuff. And that's why let me tell you how I know that because if you doubt it all Right? If you have moments when you, you're struggling self-hatred or doubt and all those things, then you're struggling to understand God's love for you. Because if you truly believed he loved you fully and completely, you wouldn't feel that way, right? I know that's the case for me. So this week, we're going to continue on in that. But this is the part of the message where I talk to you and you get to interact. The only time. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Nobody, everybody's like, they don't know you guys. You just interact whenever you want. Just not when I ask. Any, <clears throat> Have you guys, and I'm being serious here, okay? And I already know the answer, so don't say no. Have you ever had a movie give you goosebumps? Raise your hand. Okay, and those that aren't just are lying. You are literally lying in church. I just want to get that out and open. Nate, I didn't know if you raised your hand. I'm just kidding. Uh, um, so raise your hand again. Have you ever had a movie give you goosebumps? Yeah. Uh, the truthful people raise their hands. And... Yeah, me too. When, does anyone have a moment that comes to mind from a movie? You got a favorite movie moment? Yeah. Left, side. Lef? yeah, that is a good part. Left side, strong side. Remember the Titans. Yeah. Yeah, why'd you talk like a six-year-old? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, I can make fun of her. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that is a cool part. So when Aslan, right in the middle of the battle, and looks like things aren't going well and Aslan shows up, and even with left side, strong side, what, why, what makes that so powerful? That's from Remember the Titans. Anyone ever seen that movie? That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, and what had happened before that? Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? One more movie? Yeah, right here. Oh, somebody just screams. What would you got? Yeah, Lion King, looks at the sun? Yeah, at the end or the, the first time, right? Because doesn't Simba lays his son too? No? I don't know anything about movies. Yeah, those are cool th- moments. Here's the point. Most of the time, I was thinking some other ones uh, for you guys. Now, I'm a huge comic fan, but I haven't watched most of the comic movies because I'm a snob. And if they don't follow comics, then I don't like them. <clears throat> um, but I can think of one relevant. Those are all cool ones. Avengers, right, is it Endgame when they're all getting beat up and then Captain America uses his hammer. Don't even say that and give you goosebumps, right? That's a cool part, right? All of a sudden, he's whoosh, he's got the hammer, especially knowing what you know about that hammer, right? Justice League for the DC people. We'll get both sides, right? I have not seen this movie, but I've seen the scene. I don't even know if it's in the extended, right? Superman comes back. Right, right, when they're getting thumped and then takes care of business. Yeah. And then, my, one of my favorite movies, which uh, is old, yeah, whoever, well, they're, they're, they're quit talking over me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Braveheart. See? They won't talk when I ask, only when I don't. Uh, yeah, Braveheart. I love that movie. There's a couple scenes in there, even though it's sad, right? The army, they're like, oh, we're going to get smoked here. And then he comes, duh, 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 duh. right? And he comes riding over with his army. What's the point? Those mo- the reason we get goosebumps in those moments is because we understand the significance of it. It doesn't come when they're winning, right? You don't get goosebumps like, hey, the good guys are killing everyone, and here comes some more victory. That doesn't happen. The goosebumps come what? In the moments when it seems like all hope is lost. That's the truth, right? And the hero or the hero show up at the right time, the last second, that opportune moment. I was going to call this opportune moment, and then somebody's going to be like, what's opportune mean? And I just had to change it, right? Opportune moment. It's kind of when the light breaks through right before, in the darkness, right, right before it looks like there's no chance. That's what makes those things powerful. Why does that happen? Because we've all felt like that. And this is not really the point today, but like, 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 you guys, uh, we all have a desire deep down and a recognition that we need a hero, that we need someone to come through. All of us, even the tough guys in the room. I don't need nobody. Yeah, you do. You know why you're tough? Because you lived your life thinking nobody's coming. <clears throat> if you go to the sh- I did not create this term. In fact, uh, neither did the book that I read it in. But there's a, there's a term in Greek called kairos. We talk about it a lot here if you're here at the Remnant. We used to do it in our live groups. Kairos. So there's two words for time sort of in the Greek language, right? Kronos, that's the, the way we understand time, right? 9 a.m. is before 10 a.m., you know, 10.30 is before 11, et cetera, this flowing thing, in order. But there's something called kairos. It's a different word. And the word means, it exists, it's not just biblical. It is like the opportune time. It's a word for the right time. It's a, it's a moment in time when it's the perfect time. So example from for the secular world. What makes Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech so powerful is the moment in time when it happened, right? If he gave that speech today, would it even be on the news? I don't know. Probably not. But because of the situation it was in, it was the right time, the perfect time for that speech. So they had this word for these moments that we have in our life when things happen at exactly the right time. Now, here's the cool part. The Bible does use that word, right? We all know that the Bible parts of it are in Greek, right? It was translated in Greek. Mark 1:15. Stay with you. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time is fulfilled. Kairos. Pretty cool, huh? He didn't mean when he says that the time is fulfilled. A time has come, the time you've been waiting for, the right time, the perfect time, the climax is now. That's literally the translation. The time is fulfilled. Now, if you look this up in other versions, it says the time has come. What time? Now, if you, if you think of it that way, the time has come, the phrase, right? I'm going to go take a nap, too. You either wake up or I'm leaving, all right? I play this game with you all every week, talking to remit Either wake up or I'm going home because I'm sleepy, too. So I'm going to say this again. Are you awake or not? All right. I don't, don't give me an attitude, Chris. I'll come down there right now, and we'll turn the camera right on you, all right? <clears throat> so. The time has come. So think about it. When you say the time has come, that phrase, you're not saying 10 a.m. has come. You know, this exact moment in time, 1132, has come. No, you're not saying that. You're saying a moment in time has come. The Bible, I guess I'm going to stop. Guys, listen. I talked about this last week. Was it last week I told the story about the lady who came up with a little kid and goes, Todd, why are you always scrumpy? Right? And this is one of those days, and I had to really write on here. I wrote love, so I make sure that I really speak lovingly right before I came up because I get really passionate because when I think about moments like this, I am so passionate because I'm a human, and you're a human, and I don't care who you are if you stop for a second. If you stop, stop what? All of it. Your anxieties. Your anxieties. Your your fears, your worries, your sadness, making life about you because when you focus even on your trials, life is about you. And when that happens, it's hard to hear anything else. And what happens in those moments, you think the enemy doesn't want to whisper things in your ears so you can't hear truth by justifying it to yourself that you're tired, sleepy, didn't have caffeine, um, heard it all before, uh, sad, all of these things. Do you not think that that's the case? Of course it is. Anything that the enemy, and by the way, some of you in the room that aren't believers, listen, Satan's real. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. His entire goal is to what? To kill and steal and destroy. Destroy your hope. Destroy your peace. And so you show up to church every week in some religious ritual, sitting here asleep, angry, whatever it is you feel, and missing it. Missing what? The kairos. You're missing the moment because the speaker's too grumpy. It's too cold. It's too hot. I had a bad day. I get it. Me too. That's the problem. See, that's what he wants to do. Anything he can do to make you do one of two things, forget God or doubt God. So, yeah, I get passionate because, and I'm going to come back to my notes now. You know, I talk about this a lot. I'm kind of Eeyore-ish. I admit that, all right? (laughs) I'm kind of, ooh, ooh, which is why I'm allowed to yell at you, right? Because I'm like, ooh, I'm that guy. Do you not have moments where you look around and go, this is it? You know why you're, you know, what? Why are you sad when you're not with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Why are you sad when you're not distracted? Why are you sad when you're not high? Why are you sad when you're not drunk? Why are you not sad, you know, why are you sad, I mean, when you're not those things? Why? Because you're running from from my truth. You're running from something. The same way I do. You know, whether mine's the gym or running or being weird, whatever it is, whatever your thing is that's distracting you from the very thing, right, that scares you and makes you sad, I found myself there. I'm there a lot. Maybe I am alone. Maybe I'm the only person in this room who sits around and wrestles with the fact that life is hard and I'm down and sometimes I doubt and I don't understand why, you know, people are so mean and I don't understand why I'm so mean, And I have these moments, man, where I'm driving, and it doesn't matter how good life is. It doesn't matter if it's a beautiful day, right? It's, it's, we've had nice weather. How many times have you allowed yourself, some of you have, to actually say, man, it's been great to have nice weather? I but when it, in the middle of the winter, you're like, gosh, I wish the sun were here. And now you're like, you don't even think about it. The reason for me, and I guess I'll speak for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit trying to pretend you guys are... Pondering these things too, right? Is because I really do doubt that, like I believe, I don't know if you ever had this, I believe in the existence of God. I believe God, I believe it. I believe the Bible. But I guess at the end of the day, it does sometimes seem like he's sort of sort of taking a nap. Right? Or I've got to somehow do enough. And it doesn't matter how many times you can recite to me. I don't have to earn my salvation. Yeah, but salvation's different than him tangibly loving you in your life, right? So that's me. I have no doubt I'm saved, but I doubt he loves me. I doubt he wants me. It's a feeling of like, well, he's got to put up with me because what Jesus did, but I'm in the corner going, I hope he doesn't notice me, right? Because I really like being in this house. Life, I don't know, man, you know, and life goes so fast, And I have weird freak out moments when I think about Eli or Jericho or Jaylee or, you know, Lucy. A lot of these kids I know from a long time because like I have, you were here and now you're here. And here's the weird thing about you. The stronger and more handsome and beautiful you get, the weaker and more decrepit I get, right? That's what's happening, right? So yes, I can be happy for you, but part of me is like, hmm, right? How do I know you're not leeching my youth? I don't know, right? But that's what it's like, right? Why am I saying that? Because when I look around, man, it's like everything's so fast. And sometimes I'm asking myself, what am I waiting for? What am I actually waiting for? What are you waiting for? Well, I'm not waiting for anything. Really? Why do you have to stay so busy? Why does silence scare you? Why do quiet moments scare you? What are you avoiding? I know what I avoid. I avoid having to think about... Blah. There's so many blessings, but it's blah, right? It's what it seems like. And that's why I try to, like, 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 like. you try to tell kids, I'm going to keep doing that to myself until I quit. See, I make fun of myself, too. <clears throat> you know, young people, it's not just kids. Some of you are dating, and you're like, this is the greatest thing, <laughs> right? And what's going to happen is Right. And it is the greatest thing. That's not mocking it, but I'm gonna tell you right now how many times you see the husbands and wives been married 20 years, like mm-hmm. they don't do that. They're like, oh, you need me to get away from them for a couple hours, I guess. Right. <laughs> my point is not saying there's really anything wrong with the spouse, my point is every good thing becomes eh. Right? But then when it's gone, that's why I love guys. Man, I don't need no woman. She goes on vacation, <laughs> but you won't tell anyone that. You're just grumpy. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because for me, I think, and maybe this is for you too, is if God is just words on a page, if God is just someone who worked in time before, then no wonder life and faith is eh. Because then, and no wonder some of you are mad like me and frustrated with Christianity today, no pun intended, right, is because without him moving in our lives, we start to let other people tell us what he's like. Now, here's the secret. He's still moving in our lives. But if we're so focused on what everyone's telling us about him, right, and part of what they tell you is, hey, listen, we got to follow this book and just this this rule book, but God Himself's not really going to come in your life, Josh. It's not going to happen. And that's why you're sad and frustrated because he's not going to come in your life. And then when bad things happen, you're really mad about it. And when good things happen, you don't really attribute it to him. You're like, well, good things aren't going to last. What am, what's all my point to this? And, and if you don't know, if you've never been in this place, then this is all going to be like, what the, what's this dude talking about? But if you know in the room, you know. Kairos. That's what we're craving. We're craving the moments when God breaks into our reality. And He does. Why do I push so hard? This is not in my notes, but let's say some of you in this room, there's members, okay? And before I say this, and even though I say it, you're not going to believe it. I'm not talking about Josh. I'm not talking about you. Get off your high horse. You ain't the only person I think about. But I will because there's multiple people. Let's say you're in the room and I'm like, hey, why aren't you serving a member? Why aren't you in community? And you go home and go, that Todd's a tyrant, no, I'm not. I'm saying by not doing what God's doing, by not putting yourself in positions where you're uncomfortable and nervous and anxious you know that you might be, right, or that you're tired or whatever it else is, you're missing the kairos moments in which God moves through those things because God shows up and moves when we obey. That's a reality. And sometimes in this room, even there's the most religious people of you, good people, but you have set yourself above the most high. Because you have justified to yourself why you don't have to listen. If you listen nine out of ten times but willingly disobey the tenth, it's still disobedience. And feel free to blame me all you want. But when you're standing before him, right, you're saved and good. But you don't get to blame Todd. Trust me, it was just good because I got plenty of my own stuff that I wanted to answer for. I talked about Kairos moments. The time has come. These things you're waiting for. And some of you in this room, I'm not going to lie, kind of going with that, the reason that you're struggling, you are like, Todd, it's not just that. It's this situation. My marriage is falling apart. I have no money. You know, I've sinned so much. I'm struggling with this secret thing that if I tell anyone, they're done with me. Can't tell how many times I hear that. Well, I can't tell that because people are done with me. And it's crazy because some of you, let's say, in, in, in marriages that are broken apart, your spouse doesn't even know. They don't even know where your heart is. So you just walk around, like, doing the motions, but when you go to bed at night, you're like, this is it for me. This is all I'll ever have. That's not true. And, you know, some of you are in health situations, or you have people that are close friends or family that are in serious health situations. I'm not going to tell you today what that's, what's going to happen, but they're hopeless, right? I get it. On the surface, it seems like there's no realistic way whatever this obstacle is in your life some of you it's depression you've been battling depression so there ain't no point that's why people want to give up isn't that funny christians sometimes give up because you believe this voice that tells you he's not coming this is the best you're ever going to have he lied to you the truth is and this is what i love man jesus mark 115 i don't think you heard that so i'm gonna say it again the first thing the time is fulfilled. The kairos has come. I'm here. I busted through your reality. What you've been waiting for is here. What's it? Everything and anything. I am. Whatever you need, it's here. Some of you are, you're, you're, you're often chasing the feeling of faith. You're chasing the feeling of of believing what I just said to be true. The time is filled. God's coming. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll believe it when I feel it. The problem is you're in a broken world and you got broken emotions. Faith is not feeling. Faith is not feeling. Faith is not feeling. Sometimes feeling comes with faith, and those are cool moments. But a lot of times it doesn't. It just doesn't. And we we sit back in judgment over the saints in the Bible and say, man, if I were there, I wouldn't have doubted him. That's not true because they're looking at you saying, man, if I had that Holy Spirit, I wouldn't doubt him. Moses and the prophets long to see the day that you see. That's what Jesus said. The point is this, your hopelessness, your brokenness. I'm not going to sit here and promise you anything, but we're going to talk today about these Kairos moments and how the Bible's filled with them. And the interesting thing about Kairos moments, they're not just God breaking through. Remember, we, let's go back to the movie. In order for the goosebumps to come, it has to come when there's no other way. At the moment when it seems like there is no hope, will you believe then? I say this all the time. I've struck with this for years. Judas or Peter? You know, Judas said, I I betrayed him. There is no hope, so I'll take it upon myself. And some of you go, I'm not Judas, I didn't kill myself. Really? But you live in bitterness and anger and sadness and brokenness because there's no hope. So I'm going to spill out onto other people the way I feel. The Bible, in order for Kairos moments to happen, the situation is going to look pretty rough. The perfect time, the opportune time, the climax of the story has to come, right? Can you imagine, let's use Chronicles of Narnia if you haven't seen it, there's a big battle, good and evil, right? And good just, just decimated, and then it's after the battle, and then Aslan comes up and roars, and you'd be like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, that's like, kind of attention-seeking right now. We're already done, right? <laughs> this This thing's over. No, it's powerful because of what was happening in the moment. Some of you... We'll come back to that. So listen, the Bible's filled with with these kairos moments, the moments when God comes crashing into our reality at the exact right time. And the opportune moment at the climax of the story, when, when there is literally one second too early, one second too late, and you'd miss it. He comes at the perfect right time. That's what kairos moments are. And it's funny because a lot of the remnant folks, see, they kind of sit in judgment over you. Like, I've heard Todd, so I know this. No, they already forget this. See, the problem is, I've said this before, remnant people, familiarity breeds contempt. You think you know everything because you've heard things. That's why when new people come, right, the first time, they're like, yeah, a lot of times this is awesome. then they hear me again, they leave. But you guys, you take it for granted because you think you know everything already. And then you get to judge all those other Christians. Man, we're not like those, those Christians. The Bible's filled with these kairos moments, the moment when God's come crashing in a at the exact right time. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that? Now, I didn't say, do you feel that? Do you believe that? Here, do I believe that? If you're open and willing and you listen today, you will. If you have your Bibles, right, you can turn to this. Exodus chapter 14, 21 through 29. I already know this by heart. I learned it in Sunday school. Right? That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> Exodus 14, 21, 29. Listen, situation is the Israelites, and this is old and new. God's always the same. Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. I'm going to say that again. Slaves for over 400 years. You guys can't wait five minutes sometimes. Me too. I've been fighting that temptation, Lord. It's been 32 seconds. Some of the guys are going, quit calling it a fight. It ain't a fight after 32 seconds. It's a slight itch. Right? You know what I'm talking about. They probably, I don't even need to say probably. They doubted God's goodness. They had moments of that. You know how I know that? You're like, am I what enough? Yes, you would. Because again, it's been two days since your last miracle and you're going, he ain't coming. They would have doubted. In fact, Scripture tells us they did doubt, and they'd probably given up hope of ever being free, ever having their own nation again. And yet, over the years, one of their own, and this is so like God, a traitor, someone who had been raised with the enemy. And everybody's like, man, I would have trusted Moses. No, you wouldn't. He's coming to you wearing a you know, Egyptian headdress. Hello, my people. Right? I just saw you with Pharaoh yesterday, bro. Get out of here. Right? Follow me, my people. We wouldn't do that. So this, this enemy, this traitor, right, had went to, he comes and God tells this man, by the way, a murderer, and he had told him to go to Pharaoh and, set his, and tell him to set his people free. Now, again, I would have listened immediately if there's a burning bush. No, you wouldn't because you, you don't listen when your life was transformed. That truly is the biggest miracle for me if I think about it. I'm a different human being. So he went to the Pharaoh, demanded to set the Israelites free. Pharaoh refused. You guys know the story. So God, they had even still seen God move. He made miracles happen, and the miracles were scary, right? He hit the place with plagues to prove he was God. By the way, cool thing, each one of the plagues was him trumping one of their gods, right? Oh, that's your God? That's your frog God? Right? Oh, this is the Nile, right? You think this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. He was flexing for all you young folk, all right? Jericho, why are you shaking your head? That was cool, man. <laughs> I'm hip, man. You know that, dude. Anyway, I've reached the place where he's like, oh, man, Todd. I thought I was cool three years ago. Um, <laughs> that's what I tell myself. He sent plagues. And so eventually, Pharaoh, like most people, when things got bad enough, he goes, fine, fine, just get out of here. Once he le- they left, the people... Israel, I start leaving. Pharaoh, and the place, stop. Hmm. What does this sound like, by the way? This is, a, this is a bonus for you. Lord, I'm so faithful. When life's tough, as soon as it gets good, you're like, whew, All right, I can get back to life. I can get back to doing what I want to do. Because he's really just a floaty when I'm drowning. Not faith. Anyway, Pharaoh all of a sudden does what we do, and he goes, you know what, Man. That was probably a fluke. It probably just rained frogs for no reason. And the firstborn people just probably caught a cold or something. This is probably completely a coincidence. So he changes his mind. He sends his soldier. He goes, go kill those people. They made a fool of me. So they come. They hear they're here, and an army of Egyptian warriors were pursuing the Israelites, and here they were trapped. They're like, ah, we're free, and they come to a sea. This isn't a pond. It's not a, it's not a puddle. It's a raging, it's a sea. And you all go, I know what happens next. Let yourself believe it's real. Are we gonna swim across? I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I can't swim across a pool without getting tired, right? They're not gonna make it to the other side. You got old, young, children, right? All of the people. You don't think in that moment they doubted? Moses, this is worse. In fact, it says they did. Let's just go back. Like, this is worse. It was better to be alive and be a slave than what's going to happen now, but it was too late, wasn't it? Moses, or the Pharaoh's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change his mind now. I don't want this anymore, God, because it's not going the way I thought. They had no way to cross the sea, and they certainly couldn't have done it. Why didn't they make a boat? Because they didn't have time. Now, in this moment, they doubted Moses' leadership, and listen to me. They doubted God. It didn't matter how many times he showed up. They doubted him now. And as they stood, stood stuck between the proverbial rock and a hard place, they felt what little hope they had fade away in the impossibility of what was happening, of what stood before them. Where had God gone, and why did he let this happen? Hey, why did God let this happen? Why did God let this happen? It's easy for us to go, he did it to show who he is to us. But when you're standing there with an army coming at you and nowhere to go, that's not cute. Hey, all the bad things in your life are happening for someone in the future to be encouraged. Does that make you feel better? No, of course not. They had lost hope, they saw no way out but God. Starting in verse 21. Now, if you believe this happened, it wasn't just a story. This is history, not make believe. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their left and, I mean, on their right and left. Now listen, this is an interesting verse. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night. We tend to think it all happened like Prince of Egypt. Where it was like, it didn't happen that way. It was all night this wind came. You think in that moment, how many of them were like, man, there's kind of an interesting wind happening today? You think they knew it was God? It's just a strange weather coincidence. We do this all the time. How, what if I told you that there's some miracles happening in your life that you're just chalking up to coincidence, but it's literally God moving in your life? Well, if he did that, it would be a burning bush. How do you know the burning bush didn't start with a flicker? That's what I mean why it wouldn't prove it. We'd go, oh, it must be uh, really humid today. Walk away before you see it burst up. Anyway, verse 23, so it parts. The Egyptians set out in pursuit all, so they walk through this. By the way, if it is this wind it's kind of slow and gets strong, would you not go, I already know some of you, Emma, me and you, we're standing there going, man, if this wind dies down, we are not going to make it, right? Like, let's be real. We are, me and you are going, poof. Either that or we're sprinting, right? Like we're going to get through before this happens. Maybe if we're desperate enough, some of you get that. You'd be like me. Even though there's literal miracle. you go, man, at any moment that could stop and I am dead, right? <clears throat> I'll be like the fourth guy through. Like half of them get through. i like, it seems safe. <clears throat> the Egyptians set out in pursuit all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, so this happened all night. This didn't happen instantaneously like in your cartoons, right? It happened in that moment. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud. I already know what we do, huh? Well, look at there. Must be an F5. Right? That's what we do. We Guys, you're you're, you're very rarely going to immediately attribute it to God. You're going to think it's some coincidence. That's why they have science. Let me tell you something, Jacob. You're not going to believe this. You're going to mock me just like Tim did. Let me tell you what science is. It's just magic. Someone's like, Todd, you sorceress. No, I'm just saying, right? What they knew as science, right? It's just a way to explain the way this world works, right? The miraculous. Think about it. All right. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. Hmm. Who should I pick on? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm, no one, I can't say people's names because people get mad. So Sierra, I'll just use that, right? She was too happy. What if, now when you hear that the Lord told him to, I bet, Sierra, you're going, you think this, Moses, please stretch your hand out, right? And everybody heard it. What if it was that small, still voice in his head? Get you, John, right? You think it was just, oh, God still speaks to you. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. Nice way to say it went. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back down and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry land, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord And believed in him and in his servant Moses. Fear is not just like, whoa, it's whoa. Listen, there was no way out, no hope in any kind of human sense, no realistic way out. It was dark, but it was not hopeless. I'm gonna say that again, and some of you, I'm gonna say that to you. Your life right now is dark, but it is not hopeless. At the exact right moment, no second earlier, no second later, kairos. God showed up. God showed up. That's Old Testament. Well, clearly that doesn't happen in the New Testament. A couple of things to think about. Listen, sometimes God has to let life get that way. And this is, this is hard because if you're like me, some of you i'm gonna i'm gonna assume some of you are like i use myself as like worst case scenario okay that's why i say that so a lot of times i might say well god i'm just going to give you my argument it used to be if there was an easier way and a harder way and you chose the harder way that's mean it makes sense right if i knew that god could make me not go through it and get to the same place but see that's the big but Remember what we said at the beginning of this. The people had already started, already again started to doubt God, to doubt Moses, to doubt that God had moved in their life. The Egyptians had already forgotten what happened with the miracles. They had already began to doubt God, everyone. If God showed up early, right, and they just showed up not at the right time, Then it would have just been the same. It would have been the same over and over and over again. Sometimes life has to get that way to remind us that God is still here. Because we have a natural tendency, I made a joke about it. Look at the world. When the miraculous happens, do you think the world calls it miraculous? Go look at the news. I see miraculous things. They don't call it miraculous. We've been brainwashed. That's why they have all these terms for these crazy things. I'm serious. I've said this a million times, and everyone's just like, nope, Todd, that's very simple. You know, it's this term. Who told you? Dan Rather. If you don't know who that is, it's the only guy I can think of. God has to sometimes let it get that way so that we don't do what we tend to do, which is chalk it up to coincidence. Well, that might seem cruel, but no, that faith that you build in that moment, the moment when you remember, when you remember the moment, that's going to strengthen you when the hard times come. Because listen, guys and girls, we mess this world up. Tough times are going to come regardless of where you're at with God. Regardless. See, that's the great lie. Well, if I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to miss out on things. I'm going to be bored. I'm going to be, you know, it's, it sucks anyway. What's the point? That's the point. The point is, is that life's hard anyway. Sometimes we need to be reminded that there's a point, that God's still in control, that he loves us. And because we're stubborn and bullheaded, that can only come in the moments when we have no other option, right? When we have to, there's miraculous things happen in my life that I can catch myself going, yeah, I mean, it might have been a coincidence. He does that so that we can't do that. And then why does that happen? Because if that's true, then maybe it's all true. Maybe he does love you, Josh. Right? Maybe he does love you. Jump to Jesus. Jump to Jesus. That could be a sermon name. I don't know what it'd be about, but jump to Jesus. I'm just going to dive in. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32. When you got it, say, I got it. Matthew 14, 22 through 32. All right, I'm just, it's on the screen. Immediately he, who do you think that is, that he? Jack, you got nothing to say now? Are you waiting for me to not ask you? Jesus, yeah, gotcha. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. So sometimes people get confused here. They'd been doing a lot of stuff. Jesus said, hey, go on without me to the other side. They're probably like, He's like, I guess he's going to catch another boat. He needed some alone time. So they went across while he dismissed the crowds. He's like, I'll handle this. You guys go rest. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, what boat? The boat that had the disciples in it, was already some distance from land, being battered by the waves because the wind was against them. A storm. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. Now, I say this because this is another example of you going, I would have never doubted. Again, yes, you would have because you doubted. Yeah, Trent, I thought it was funny too. That was a sneeze, the most ridiculous sneeze I've ever heard. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, he comes walking out. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They couldn't really make out who it was. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. Hmm, Courage, dear heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. We were always like, Lord. Dude, he was calling him out. Yeah, okay, whatever, Jesus. If it's really you, I bet you, why don't you just tell me to walk out there with you? Jesus just said, come. And then you would go, oh. After climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I... Man, we only get part of this, Jesus' words, all the time, even me. Every time I recount this in my head, I only get the first part. Listen to this. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you have little faith. That's where we stop. No. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? That makes me want to cry. I don't know why. And he didn't say it angry. You of little faith, Sidney, I can't believe you. No. You... Of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Why would he say that? Why did you doubt? Because he's saying this, right? Hey, remember what I've done. Remember what I told you. Remember what I promised you. Remember what I said. Remember what I did on the mountain. Remember what I did to the lame person. Remember when that demon came at us and you were scared. What did I tell you? I will always be there. Why'd you doubt me? So I'm gonna say this to you. Why are you guys doubting him? Why are some of you doubting him? Is it really because of him or because somebody who said they speak for him? Is it him that you're really mad at? Or is it that Pharisee that says he's like this? Is it him that hurts you? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? It's an interesting story, right? Jesus is fully God, fully man. We see that in this story. The fully man part's like, I'm tired. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to dismiss this, and I'm going to go pray by myself. I need some alone time. Some of you all are already like, I like me time. Yeah, right? You're going to go off, and he does that. Now, listen, here's the God part. Did he know there were going to be storms? Yeah. Right? This is where it's cool, the human. Like, he knew the human part's like, I need some time. The God part's like, oof, I know what's going to happen. But he wasn't worried. Jesus wasn't worried. So he sends them over and they probably are like, I guess going to catch another boat. And then the storms are getting crazy. And they're going, what I would do. What a terrible time for him not to be here. What a terrible time for him not to be here. Because if he was here, we'd be okay. We might die here today. Why would he send us here? Jesus could have gotten the boat with them. Could have gone and, and he did other times, right? Be still and everything's still. He could have done that again. Be still and they're like, "Oh, cool." No, he didn't. There's a lot of lessons here, man. Hey, sleepies, wake up. I'm that guy, dude. If you come to church and fall asleep, I'm gonna call you out every time cuz why are you coming here? I'm just I'm just being real with you. <clears throat> Kids, feel free. I'm just kidding. So many things here. The storm was scary. That was scary enough. Now he says, walk. And as long, and you all know it, I'm not going to sit here and give you it again because you all know everything, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I do that and it's okay. But we don't. And they started seeing all the storms and seeing the scary stuff. And just, I would do that too. And so do you. How do I know? Because you're doing it now whatever circumstance you're paying attention to. And in that moment, you begin to sink because they are scary and the waves are big. And at the exact right moment, Jesus grabs him and says, I told you. Why'd you doubt me? had to be at that right moment. Right when the storm was, right when he's sinking, I'm right here. Some of you guys right now, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, the funny things. Are like, hey, tomorrow thing's going to be great. I don't know when it's going to be great. I don't know what great looks like. I don't know how bad the storm is. In some of your situations, I'm not saying that if I were in your shoes that I could do what I'm telling you to do, but I'm telling you that it's the truth, that if the storms are big, right, if the waves are high, if it's scary, if the marriage is rough, if the health issues are are, are that bad, if there's no hope, if if you have no money, if the relationships fall apart, if... Whatever, depression is overwhelming you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Hold on. Because if you do, right, and I'm going to say this part truthfully, the kairos is coming. I don't know what it's going to look like, and that's where that's my, that's my addendum. His ways are higher than mine, but I can say this. The kairos is coming. Now, do you want to sit there and be anxious and scared the whole time? Or are you going to be excited for the moment that God shows up? Moving on, Mark. This is a big section. Mark chapter five verses twenty two through forty two. Mark chapter five verses twenty two through forty two. Jesus in the midst of his ministry might have been before or after this. He's healing folks. This is a crazy story, and I read all, and I want you to think about this in the context of situation happening. Put yourself in the shoes of this man. I want you to pretend right now that you're Jairus or Jairusia, right, or whatever. This is you. Should I stop because you already know the story? Good, listen. All right, here we go. Verse 22, one of the synagogue leaders, this is so fascinating too, might have been one of the people questioning Jesus, definitely his buddies were. But when things got really bad, he went to What? His last hope, maybe this guy is what he says he is. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. You're Jairus. Come and lay your hands on her that she, so that she can get well and live. So many things to think about. I, I wonder, Jesus kind of went, No, man, you're with those people that hate me. I'm not going with you. Jesus, so Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was falling and pressing against him. Now, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years, it is exactly what you think it is, right? She had lady problems, right? And, and imagine that, 12 years. Not only is she probably feeling horrible all the time, she also is unclean. You understand that? Remember, we've talked about that. Nobody is her friend. Nobody's touching her. She's unclean. Something, she must have earned this, right? Because this bad thing would have only happened to her. That's what the religious did by that point. They changed things to say, hey, if this has happened to you, you must be really bad. Hmm, what's that sound like? Doesn't happen today, huh? So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was falling it. Now a woman suffering, bleeding for 12 years, had endured much under many doctors. She went everywhere. She spent everything she had and was not helped at all. And on the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, maybe this guy could. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing, for she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well, or maybe I'll be made well. Right. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I always find this fascinating because I would have been terrified. Like, oh, I'm in trouble. Imagine, wait a minute, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you and you're going to ask who touched me? Come on, Jesus. There's a lot of people touching you. But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Probably expecting he's going to be mad. She was unclean, remember? An unclean woman came and touched a rabbi. That changes things a little. It wasn't just who touched me. Somebody sinful touched me. That's what she probably thought. That's why she's fearful and trembling. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Now stop. I didn't tell you to be the woman, I told you to be Jairus. Your daughter's dying. You're you're there. Jesus is stopping in a crowd and talking to a sinful woman. Because remember, you're a synagogue leader. You know the truth. If she's bleeding that long, she's bad. How do you feel? Don't even tell me. I would be okay with it. No, you wouldn't. Why aren't you coming? You told me you were coming first. Why are we stopping? Don't you understand she's got a 105-degree fever? Don't you understand that they said she's going to pass away in an hour? I chased you down. Why are we stopping? In fact, what does it say? While he was still speaking to who? The crowd to the woman. People came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother a teacher anymore? Now be Jairus. Yeah, you're right. He probably went, thy will, Lord. You told me you were coming. You told me you were going to take care of this. You made me believe you. You gave me false hope. You lied to me. And now she's gone, and there's nothing that can be done. Why did I even come to you? Why did I follow you? Why did I trust you? And who could blame him? You're Jairus. When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader Imagine being told this. Don't be afraid, only believe. Believe what? She's already dead. What do you want me to believe, that things are going to get better? You want me to believe that things are going to be better, God? You want me to believe that I should just deal with what's going on right now, that my marriage is falling apart, that I have no fi- finance, that my health's falling apart? I- you just want me to trust that? I did what you told me to do. I went to church. I listened to them. I followed the rules. Now look at me. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. You think, the, you think Jairus was weeping too? Yeah. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but asleep. And we're like, aw, imagine that. You're Jairus. Your, your daughter's not dead? What is this, A joke? Is this a joke? It's not funny, Jesus. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. It's beautiful. He took the father and mother and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was, what? The corpse. Then he took the child by the hand and said, Letha Koam, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astonished. That's a lot of pain to go through, right? That's a lot of pain to go through. You know, sometimes when things like that happen, after the the, the joy's over and we're kind of brought back to reality, we go, why would you make me go through that, even if it ended well? Jairus goes to the house. Jesus just said she's well. He goes there, and she's awake. What's he do? He's human. Oh, man, they must have been wrong. They must have been wrong. It, it, he, she was just had a low pulse, right? She just had a low pulse. Doctors got it wrong. It's just a fever, just a coma. <sighs> Probably coincidence. I shouldn't have even went to Jesus. It would have taken care of itself. No, it had to happen. Because let me ask you a question. Yes, it it encourages us today. This is a fact. But, But what did it do for Jairus and his family? It's one thing to say, right, that someone sick got better. It's another thing to witness with your own eyes someone raised from the dead. Do you believe their faith was stronger? Do you believe they may have believed he was who he said he was? And if they believed who he said he was and the next trial came in life, the next dark moment, because... Just because this miracle happened, did that mean Jairus' life was easy for the rest of time? No, we live in a sinful, broken world. So the next time came, just maybe he said, in the moment when I didn't think there was any other way, the Messiah came through. So he's gonna come through again. Kairos, the exact moment, the perfect moment the moment when all hope is lost the moment when it had to happen that way that's what we are you know god we're kids that's all we are we're kids and we we have short memories and we're you know we're spiteful and we're we're spoiled and we just sometimes if he gives us what we want right when we want it we're still going to doubt him and it's not going to help us later If God had given me everything that I ever wanted when I wanted it, and I'm being serious with you, I'm not being Christianese pastor because I'm not very good at that. I wouldn't be here preaching to you. I promise you I wouldn't. I'd be coaching football somewhere, right? Teaching English or history, it'd probably be a good life. Probably be a good life. It'd be a good life. But I would have missed every single miracle I've seen since then. Including you guys. That's why I say it. I'm not being. I'm not. I'm not. We've talked about this week close to me. I'm not that guy. That's like, Lord, I'd go through it again. If there was a better, if there was another way where I didn't hurt, I would do that. But if the only way to get here was to walk through that, then your will be done, Lord. You think I'm just saying this here? You think I'm just talking that, right? You think I'm just saying that because I'm I'm not a good pastor. I would not say that to you. I say it because it's true. And I'm going to say that to you, and I'm going to step from this pulpit, and maybe later today I'm going to doubt again. But in the quiet moments like yesterday, rough day, I'm running. Right, That made it rough. (laughs) But after that, as I'm sitting there and I'm feeling down about life and I messed up and I hurt people and I'm, and I'm like, you know, in the moments when things are going the best, I'm like, what is, ha- what is this, right? And then I remember, right? I remember everything he ever did. I'm serious, that really happened. That in that moment, every hurt becomes really small because the hurts just exist to prop up the miracles, right? The hurts make the miracles really big, And I don't know I'll talk about it a lot. You know, I'm a first-time dad. I get it, like, as far as baby, baby phase. In the middle of me being a grump yesterday, right, and thinking of all the crap that's going on, and I did, and I'm being mad and bitter like a little baby, Yeah, you know, My daughter comes up. This is the dumbest thing, right, and just smiles and then runs away, and I, the moment froze. And believe it or not, that's a Kairos moment for me because everything stopped, and I'm going, dude, this if this was all it was, I'm serious. I'm not just saying that to you. So sorry if I'm learning through this whole dad thing, right? In that little moment, everything else seems small. Because I was going to miss these moments focused on all the things that weren't going right the way I want them to. And if that's the only miracle I have, right, that I get to be a part of that in that moment, it really was worth it. Now, I want to I shift gears before I kind of wrap up here. Perfect time, Kairos. Perfect time, Jaylee. Just want to scare you. She smiled. See, the rest of you, she, they know me. If I say your name, I'm not bullying them. It means I like you. In case I ever say someone else's name. Sometimes I say people's names, they never come back. Like, please don't, please don't leave, Nate. I'm sorry, that was your first time. It will not be your last. <laughs> you know what we do sometimes? You know what else can, can rob us? of the hope that we have in God that he's going to come through in those moments? And, and it's happened to you, but I want to talk about if you do this. Do you take God's opportunity for Kairos in someone else's life? What are you talking about? Good, I got you, Fred. I made you wonder. How could he do that? Let's see, I got you. For once, I got Fred to go, hmm. Right? Here, here is, see, Nate? I said Fred's name. Here's what it is. Man, that guy sinned really bad. He's a bad person. He doesn't deserve to be here to do that. I can't let him serve. I can't let him worship. I can't let him, that's the scarlet letter girl. That's the drug addict. That's the adulterer. That's the bad person. That's all they're ever gonna be. And they did mess up and it's real and it's serious. And in the moment when you cast them out and say, they're not worth it anymore, you take away the opportunity for Kairos to show itself in their life. You get that? You with me, Fred? When you take away, right, imagine Peter screwed up. Three times he denied him. And the other disciples said, get out of here. You stink. You're not a rock. Was he? Was he irredeemable? Was he hopeless? No, he became the man who preached the first sermon, right? And here they are through... Today the church would say, get out of here, you're scum, and I can't listen to him, he's disqualified. How often do you take away the opportunity for a miracle to show itself in the redemption of someone's life because of the way you view them? You say, they're worthless, they're hopeless, There is no; they're too dark for good to come out of this. And even if you don't say it, they're good, but you sit on the other side of the room. What's your irredeemable thing that God can't show up in anymore? Who's the person that God's done with? Do you try to say it's too late? What's your bad thing? They're too unredeemable, right? They're too irredeemable. The church does this all the time. And I'm so sick and tired of it because... It's a twisting of the entire, and if you're in the room, and I don't care if you're a member here, you annoy me with your your religious gobbledygook because you don't get it. God didn't pick a bunch of screw-ups to lead and do the things he did because he wanted to glorify sin. He didn't do it because, you know, uh, just to tell a good story. He did it for them because they were real people, but also to highlight that it's never been about the worthiness of the person. It's always been about the God they serve. And until you understand that, no matter how much you give, how much you serve, how much Bible studies you go on, how many videos you share, until you understand that, you will never truly get the master. You'll never get him. Because the secret is, you are the irredeemable person. We all are. He... Kairos into your life, right? In the depths of your sin, the Bible says. In the moment when you had no hope, when you weren't looking for him, he was looking for you, and he reaches in the muck of your life, and he pulled you out, and somewhere along the line, you forgot you came from the muck too. You believe you were a saint your whole life. You should be proud you're a saint. But don't you dare tell someone else they're too dirty to be redeemed. And how dare all of you and all of us continue to prop up leaders that do that? Because that's what everyone's doing. Because that's what it is to be nice. So it's nice to not say anything to them so they can cast stones at the adulteress. We want to be nice. Because the crazy thing is, you act, and this is where your, your look came from, Fred, because I'm going to show you. We're going to wrap it back around. They're not going to stop the Kairos moment in that person's life. They're just going to miss it. Some of you all would have thrown Moses out. You would not be celebrating King David. I'm tired of hearing it. You wouldn't. He wouldn't be allowed in your church. Quit lying to yourself. You want to pretend he went from shepherd boy to psalm writer with nothing in between, and you're crazy. And I'm not glorifying the sin, right? Remember, sometimes the situation glorifies God more. God took that guy that was so messed up and selfish, right? And he highlighted his good because he saw the king when everyone else saw the boy. He saw the king when everybody saw the adulterer. He saw the king when people saw the murderer. And we get the benefit of saying, I would have always thought he was a good king. No, you wouldn't. But you can from today forward, see people the way God sees them, that their value doesn't come from what they've done or not done. Their value comes because they were made in the very image of their Father. And if you start to view people that way, it changes everything. So I said that, too irredeemable, do that to people. Let me ask you a question, let me flip it around here. Are you too irredeemable? A lot of times the person that we give up on the most is ourselves. You're too far gone, right? You've messed up. That's the whole reason you don't like this church thing, because it's just a reminder of how bad you are, right? You've gone too far. You've done too much. Me too. I get it. There's going to be some music in the background here in a second, so just ignore that. What's your situation? Have people told you it's too late? People tell you that you can't be used anymore, that you can't serve anymore, that you're not enough. What's your situation? Maybe it's not that. Maybe you're told I'm not there right now, but my situation is dark and honestly, I'm just trying to avoid thinking about it. Listen, the truth is so much of our lack of hope comes from the belief that we're alone. Where are you, God? Right? That, you turn that down a little. That's too late. All right, that it's too late that God isn't coming. That's what I believe. In those moments like yesterday, when I'm running around on a field alone, feeling sorry for myself, I forget that like, God exists as this being, but not someone who's in my life. But He is. He's in your life. Not because of your religion because of your relationship in him and his relationship with you not because you don't let go of him but because he said I'll never let go of you so even the moments in your life when you mess up and you let go and you're like well that's it I've already I've let go he never lets go of you do you believe that it's too late it's too far gone that God isn't coming. You've messed your life up. You messed this up. You messed that up. Listen to me. This isn't just, I don't do this because it's words. I do it because it's either true or it's not. And a lot of times, I'm telling you, we miss the Kairos moment because we don't believe. And Jesus is saying to you today and me too, you of little faith, why are you doubting me? I know it seems like God isn't coming, but He is. Don't miss the Kairos moment. So do you feel like things are hopeless? Do you feel like things are dark? It's hard to see God in the midst of all the craziness? Turn it down, guys. Remember all of the moments God has come through. Right? That God has come through in your life. That's the problem. Is A lot of times you forget that. We forget that. I know I do. I could sit here right now, right? And I don't ever talk about it. That's what's weird. I'll complain to you. And the truth is, we don't really want to listen to that from each other. We want to, we want, you know, misery loves company. We want to talk about our problems. If I could sit on a chair and tell you, listen to me, God has shown up in my life in so many ways that every time I think about it, I cry. Right? Andy shared a video with me the other day. He probably thinks I'm kidding. I'm not. And and in it, the, I can, I don't even want to necessarily say it, but a reminder, right, of what God has brought me to when they said that He was done with me. Right? That's what He does. Moments when I had no hope. Moments when things seemed like that was so dark, man, that that the storm's so big. And it's hard to keep your eyes on him. But here's the beauty of that story. Even when you can't see him. Even when you take your eyes off him. Even when you begin to sink, Even when you mess up and say, God, I'm looking to you. He's coming, and he'll reach down to you even when you're not reaching to him. When you can't see him, he sees you, and he's going to grab you, and he's going to do what he always does and say, hey, I told you I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Remember all the moments God's come through, not in your life, but the life of others. Pray and trust and wait for the Kairos. Listen, the best advice I can give you, I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't, but wait for the Kairos. Or you can keep running around being angry. Kairos seem to come when we least expect it. That's what's gonna happen. That's the beauty of it. It's kind of like a surprise. Surprise, right? The moment when you least expect it. The moment when there's no other way but God, he's gonna show up to remind you who he is, how much he loves you, and what he can do. And he's gonna use your story to remind the world who he is and what he's about and what he's gonna do. If you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus and you're here for some reason, and listen. What is it? Don't do the thing where you're like, well, what does it mean to know Jesus? That at the end of the day, you can tell me you know God and believe in God. That's different. Do you know Jesus? If you can't say that with 100% right now, I put a lie detector and say, do you know Jesus? And you say yes, and he goes beep, 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 right? If you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt you know Jesus, then I need you to hear me today. Whether you're 10 or 110, if you understand my words, then God's speaking to you today doesn't matter if your parents believe your grandparents your mom dad it doesn't matter the question today is do you want to know him because he wants to know you in order to know him you got to understand the truth we mess things up we walked away from god you still do it every day every day we choose to disobey him and because we did that we're separated from god right life Come my way, I'll tell you what right and wrong is. No, I'm going to go my own way. And like a branch off a tree, we're dying. Well, Todd, I still have some nice leaves. Sure, so does a branch. How long? How long before it withers? Because it's going to wither. And your life, whether it seems like it now or later, right, you know it's withering. Sin, the things you've been told sin, that's the actions, the bad stuff you do. That's a symptom of a disease. That's why you can't fix yourself. You can't fix yourself because there's too many things. You got a cough, you got a you fever, you got a runny nose, and every time you treat one, the other one shows up again, the earache, on and on. You need to treat the disease, and here's the thing. You don't have the cure. You don't have the medicine. So keep popping the Tylenol. It might make the headache a little better, but you're still sick. Listen, this is real. You are separated from a holy God. You are separated, and because we're separated, we are hopeless. There's no other way. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room is not good enough on their own. You're not. And neither is that snotty person that told you they are. And it also says the bad news is that the wages of sin are death, you're going to die. You're going to die. That's a fact. Now, the, the, the question is do you want to die twice or do you want to live forever? You're guilty. Jesus came down when we had no other way, right? Because even if we cleaned up all of our stuff we've done in the past, if we somehow paid that price, we'd do something again tomorrow. So the question is today, Todd, how do you fix that? Well, the Bible is really clear on that. Jesus was real. He existed. He came down. He performed miracles. Why? To prove who he was to us. He didn't have to do that to tell us what it's really like, what the kingdom's like. Even though the religious people were saying one thing, he said another. And then he did something incredible. He said, this is what it's going to be like when the Father comes back. He's going to fix this mess. And I want you to act that way now. And then he did something incredible. On the cross, Jesus of Nazareth died. An innocent man died. It's a fact. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses attested this. Remember, if you were here last week or the week before, AI says it's true too, right? I'm serious, it says it's very likely. So it happens, so then what do we do? Well, on that cross, the Bible tells us that Jesus died for you. Well, I've heard that before, no, for you literally. Every bad thing you've ever did, done, every bad thing you'll ever do, every sin and broken moment, in that moment, he stood in your place. Remember the wages? He took and said, I'll take it, because it had to be paid. A just God has to be just. So when he rose from the dead, he conquered death so we can too. And in this moment, you can be restored today. All that gibberish to say this. You can know God, you can know Jesus today, and he can know you. You can be saved forever, ever. What if I mess up again? What's forever mean? How do you have that? The Bible tells us that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved, right? If you repent of your sins, if you confess with your lips, believe in your heart, and repent of your sins, you will be saved. What does repent mean? All it means is, it doesn't mean be perfect, it means I'm gonna turn away from my way. I'm gonna say, God, I need you. I'm sorry, I know I do wrong, and I'm gonna do everything I can to stop, but I need you to make up the difference. You have to say it. I know it sounds crazy. I was in the crowd too. You're gonna get an opportunity today to know Jesus, now, I say this every week, and here's the thing. Some of you in the room don't know him. And you think, maybe next week, maybe tomorrow. But that's not promised. Every person that gets in a car crash, every person that gets hit by lightning, you think they walk out and go, today I'm going to get in a, a deadly car crash. They don't, and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you reality. You're given this kairos moment right now to respond to God. This is a Kairos moment. This is the right exact moment. Now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next Thursday. Right now is your moment. What will you do with it? There's gonna be people up here willing to pray with you. You don't need them. They're not magical, but here's the truth. You need to say it. And I didn't know how to say it, and I bet you don't either. Come up with them. I trust them. I don't trust anyone. I trust these people. You can pray with them. Nobody's paying attention to you. They're gonna see me. Who cares? It's your eternity. And if you're in the room and you're in the midst of the moment when you need God to show up, you're hurt, you're broken, it seems hopeless, right? And you've forgotten Him, take this time to remember. Ask Him to show up in your life. He wants to. Ask Him. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to. Make it count.